Hey guys, it's Pastors Aaron and Terry Bagwell, and we wanted to say thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, be sure to share it with a friend to keep others around you encouraged throughout the week. We hope you have a blessed day and enjoy the podcast. God bless you. I want to start today, so turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 30, verse 5, and I feel a little weird. My wife told me to preach longer than normal. I, I don't know how much longer I have, but no, I won't go too long today. And you know I'm capable. Most preachers are. Psalm chapter 30, verse 5 in the New King James and I do read out of different translations from time to time, just so you know, because I do believe the different wordings and different translations give us a different viewpoint of our understanding, which in the end is the most important thing, that we can truly understand what the Word is saying. When you have it, say amen. The Word of the Lord says this, For his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Can everybody say, in the morning? Joy comes in the morning. You know, in the morning, just as night becomes day, we can feel in the psalmist's sorrow has become joy in the same way as he wrote this. The morning often represents in the Bible restoration or blessing or a miracle all throughout the Psalms. And so when it says, weeping may endure for night, but joy comes in the morning, everybody say, get ready. And today I want to preach the title of my message, Joy Comes in the Morning. It's really creative. It's just straight to the point that we're going to talk about joy coming in the morning because right now I know that I know some of you need to hear this message today because I've been talking to so many people in this wonderful church and so many people right now, right in this room, and some that weren't able to make it today are going through a lot of different challenges. And that's honestly a, a, a light word for what people are going through right now. And so we want to send the word to every person who's here and every person who wasn't able to make it today. There is people who, uh, deaths this weekend. Uh, we got messages even this morning. And, you know, this heartache in this and there's hard things going on. And, you know, one thing we can all agree on, life is hard at times. Isn't that the truth? And not just at times, maybe a lot of the times. Maybe you're in a season where you would say life's hard all the time. So I want to encourage you today because your joy is coming in the morning. Everybody say in the morning. There is a moment where sorrow will become joy. There is a moment where your trial and tribulation is about to be your miracle in restoration. Are you in here? Say amen. And if you're taking notes today, you can write this down. Write this. Morning is coming. Morning is coming. In the same way that every day we go to bed, the sun will rise again. Glory to God. As long as he allows it, no matter what's happened on the face of this earth, this earth still rotates and that sun still rises in the natural. But in the spirit, when we can grab hold of the destiny and the things that God has for us, we can recognize and understand that a morning is coming for you. If you believe it, say yes. Now, there's a story in the Bible I love. It's such an awesome story. We're going to lean into this today for a few minutes. It's the story of Paul and Silas in Philippi. And uh, you can find it in Acts chapter 16 if you want to turn there. 
And I'll give you a, a little cliff note summary of it for a moment. But Paul and Silas had been traveling around. They had a call for Macedonia. And uh, Macedonia, excuse me. And as they're traveling around being led of the Lord, they, they come to Philippi and they're starting to minister to people and they meet some other Christians. And while they're out ministering to people, they're just doing the work of the Lord, doing what God's led them to do, doing good stuff, you know, doing the right thing. They're just doing good. And here comes this girl who has a spirit on her, spirit of divination or a fortune teller spirit, and she would go around and, and she'd be able to fortune tell people, and she was a slave. And so she would make her masters a lot of money because people would come and she would tell them a fortune. You know, there's real power in the devil. We have to understand that people who are searching for spiritual things, you'll find it. You just got to know what you're looking for. And we got a whole generation that's searching for something supernatural, and they're trying all sorts of stuff. It's crazy right now, more than ever on the increase are things of the occult. People are looking to crystals. They're looking to Ouija boards. They are looking to demonic-type things to get in touch with the spiritual world. They're doing incense, burning incense. They're, they're doing seances. They're doing yoga. Oh, touch my yoga. Yoga, man, you do those chants. You're literally doing Hindu chants to deities that are man-made and demonic. And so this whole slow infiltration into our society has opened up a spiritual world that has been very accepted in our society, but just because society accepts something doesn't mean that God does. So here's, and nothing's new under the sun, by the way, so that's back to Acts. <laughs> so there, here they are, and there's a girl with a fortune-telling spirit, and she's telling fortunes, making money, and she's bothering Paul. And what's funny about the story is for three days, she keeps coming like, hey, these are the servants of the Most High God. Like the devil knows who Jesus is. And this spirit is literally taunting them like, that's God. They got God. They got the real God. And finally, it says after three days, Paul had enough. It said in one translation, he was very annoyed. So he cast the devil out of her. <laughs> and he looked at her, and he didn't have, you know, a 14-week deliverance session. He said, you go in Jesus' name. And guess what? That spirit left. That's the power of God. Everybody say amen. Well, this is what happened when that happened. Let's read from verse 22. I'm in the NLT, by the way, for this. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. There they were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into the prison, and the jailer was ordered to make sure they did not escape. So the jailer then put them into the inner dungeon, clamped their feet in the stocks, and around midnight, Paul and Silas started praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening, and suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open, and he assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. What was this? I call this a midnight moment. Paul and Silas had done nothing but good, and in response, they got beaten. They got stripped of their clothes. They were embarrassed. They were thrown not into prison, but into the most inner dungeon. Then they, within that dungeon, put their feet in stalks. Their backs were bloody and bruised in pain, and because their feet were in the stalks, that means their hands were probably locked up high as well. They were getting zero rest. This was borderline torture and probably would be labeled torture by today's standards. 
So they're living in a moment where they've done good, they've followed the Lord, they've served the Lord, they've done everything right, and in response, the world has beaten them unjustly, thrown them in the prison. How many know this is an opportunity for them to choose what their response is going to be? And right now, you have an opportunity to choose what your response is going to be. What's your prison look like? What have you done right and in response got beaten, so to speak? Your midnight moment is on the way. Can I prophesy that to you? Your midnight moment is on the way. What midnight moment? Well, for Paul and Silas, they were praying and singing. And when midnight hit, something happened. You know what's significant about midnight is that midnight is the exact moment that morning begins. Once you hit 12 a.m., it's now morning time of a new day. So when we talk about our midnight moment, it is the beginning of God's great miracle in your life. And I want to encourage you right now, just like Paul and Silas had a midnight moment, that God is saying, don't quit praising me. Don't quit praying to me. Don't quit asking me. But understand, I see your prison. I see the moment you're in. I see the trial you're in. But keep praising. Keep praying. Because joy is coming in the morning. Your midnight moment's on the way. Are you alive in here, church? If you are, say yes. Romans 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. And because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and confidently and joyfully look toward the sharing of God's glory and we can rejoice to win. Everybody say win. When we run into problems, when we run into trials, it's going to happen. How do we have a rejoicing spirit? Here's what it says. We know that they help us to develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation, and this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. Everybody say amen. Your problems are not because God is mad at you. I want to tell you this. Your challenges are not because you're a bad person or a bad Christian or because you said the right thing or the wrong thing. Understand this, that he is giving you what you need for the destiny that he has called you to. I, I, I'm going to have to preach a few of these lines a few times over, I think, because I want you to grab this in your spirit, that the things you are going through, God. I'm going to give you what you need for the destiny I have called you to. you got to believe for your miracle. You will not be disappointed. I love that one scripture so much, and I hold on to it. It's in verse 5. This hope will not lead to disappointment. You know when you've been believing God for something for a while and haven't seen it? You start to lose some hope, right? Is this really what you said, God? Am I a fool for thinking this? I feel foolish right now because I'm believing like it's happening, but I'm seeing nothing. You know, in the world, they'd call you crazy for doing that. But in faith, you're never crazy because faith connects you to a higher source, a higher power, a higher level of understanding that is saying this is not about my timing. This is about God's timing. And this is not about what I want 
This is about what God wants for me. Somebody say amen. So you can keep believing for your miracle, but guess what? The scripture promises you will not be disappointed. And sometimes because life brings us disappointments, we don't want to put God into that same thing. We don't want to attach God to disappointment. So we'd rather disconnect God and say, God's so good. He's so awesome and he loves me, but I'm going to have all my disappointment for me over here in my bucket of shame and pain. And God's like, you are separating the wrong thing. You should take that bucket and bring it right over to my throne room and place it on the altar and understand something that I will not disappoint you. Hallelujah. There's a song Toby Mac put out I like. It says, help is on the way. He's never early, never late. He's right on time. Your midnight moment's on the way. Joy is coming in the morning. How many believe your morning is on the way? Write this down. Your pain will be your gain. No pain, no gain. I heard that. But write this, that your pain will be your gain. Paul and Silas, I want to continue the scripture now in verse 28. The jailer member was about to kill himself. The prison doors are open. He thought everybody escaped. And Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. And the jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Well, that's a turnaround. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus. You will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and all who lived in his household. Even at the hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and he washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized and he brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. This was a great miracle, but no escape was needed. Every time I heard this story growing up, I always thought, what would I have done? I'm in jail, right? And the door's open. I'm taking off, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but in this story, they don't do that. They hang out. They wait. I mean, the jailer for sure thought that's what they did. That's, he was about to kill himself. And here's Paul like, hey, hey we're here, man. Oh, we're good. The one who had bound them all of a sudden became the one God used to serve them. The one who had beaten them and, and done everything in his path to hurt them, it was his job. He became the one who cared for them. The one who had bound them and, and put them in the dungeon was the very one who was now feeding them and blessing them. And what was also crazy was that the life-giving cycle was so powerful that Paul and Silas even blessed the enemy that was trying to hurt them and led them all to Jesus and blessed their family and gave them faith. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is a crazy story, but it's true. The enemy was blessed by them. But isn't that what Jesus told us to do? Bless your enemies. Have you ever thought about how crazy that sounds? Bless your enemies. Bless those who curse you, you know? And, and it's like, okay, people are coming against me and I'm supposed to bless them. A jailer has beaten me and put my feet in stocks unjustly, and now I'm supposed to bless him. But that's exactly how God sets it up because in Psalm 23, 5, it says, you prepare able for me in the presence of my enemies. You know, there's some enemies you guys are fighting right now that are about to dine at a table with you. Do I need to say that again? There's some enemies and some things you're going through that are so disconnected and the very 
uh, antagonistic force in your life, that the Lord has such a supernatural power going on that he can actually flip the script and make it so that the very one who is trying to kill you starts washing your wounds. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is a miracle-working God we're talking about. And that the situations we're dealing with may not always be people. It might be uh, circumstantial. It might be sickness. It might be all sorts of things. But I want you to understand something. This series we're in is about miracles. And I want to tell you today that joy is coming in the Need a new mic. Come on. Your miracle will be so great. That when your chains fall and the doors open, you won't even have to run from your enemies. That they'll come sit at your table and you'll bless them. You ever thought about this, that your jail was actually for somebody else's miracle? How often do we live life as the victim? It's done to me. It's done to me. It's done to me. Look at my life. Look at my problems. God, when's it going to quit? God, when's it going to bring the breakthrough? When's this going to change? It's normal, by the way. That's normal. But think about this. And this, I want to get this in your spirit. This is something that God had to take me through in my life. Every day I pray, God, I am a living sacrifice to you. Holy Spirit, I surrender my life to you. Take my life. Use me for what you want to use me for, God. Lord, uh, do what you want to do. I'll go where you want me to go. I will say what you want me to say. I will do what you want me to do. God says, great, I need you to go to Philippi, preach the gospel, cast out some devils, and then get beaten and thrown in jail. That's what I need from you. No, 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 God. Hold on. How about this? How about I go to Philippi on a cruise ship? Maybe I preach at that cool little theater, lead a few people to Jesus, then we could hit up a casino. God's like, that's not how I work. When you become a willing vessel, here's what begins to happen. God says, thank you, daughter. Thank you, son, for surrendering your life to me. Somebody over here who needs a miracle. And in this case, you know that was? The jailer. You know, the jailer was praying to know God. He was looking for salvation. He was, he was crying out. He didn't even know who to cry out to, but he knew something on the inside of him wasn't right. His household was messed up. It was broken. He was probably praying to all the gods of the Roman Empire. He probably had all sorts of cultural influences. He didn't know what he was looking for, and he said, God, if you're real, give me a sign. And God's love for that person said, I got two awesome servants that I'm going to use and I'm going to place them somewhere so they can get to this guy. Have you ever thought about this? Totally changed the way I look at this story. That the Lord allowed these problems to happen for Paul and Silas so that the result could be the salvation of an entire family that would have never known Jesus any other way. Are you in here? And that the trial you're going through right now could be actually the answer God is going to use for someone else's life. And that you are his servant. He will use you even the difficult moments. But don't worry. Everybody say, don't worry. Be happy. Joy's coming in the morning. You don't have to worry because guess what? God always restores. God is a good God. God loves you. God will take you through things, but he's going to restore it. God may allow something to be taken away for a season, but he's going to restore it. Are you in the room today? God loves you, and he wants to impart his power on you and use you and pour out through you, but you're going to have seasons where you got to give. 
You're going to have seasons where you might be in an uncomfortable situation. You're going to have seasons where your test is turning into your testimony. Are you in the room? That's why it's called a testimony. You came through the test. And you got some tests right now, but I want to tell you, learn how to profit from your trials. James 1 teaches us this. My brethren, count it joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith is producing patience. Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, I don't know about you, but that's actually a prayer. God, I want to be perfect. I want to be complete. Lord, I want to lack nothing. God says, get ready for some trials. I don't want that as the process, God. God says, my ways are higher than your ways. Shut up. No, 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 God, Lord, make me perfect. Lord, make me like you. Use me to touch the world. God says, get ready for some more trials. I don't like this, God. No, 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 no. Cruise ship to Greece. That's what I need. Let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom. How many need some wisdom in the room? Every day I pray for it. Let him ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for if he doubts like a wave in the sea, he's tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man and stable in all his ways. James chapter 1, verse 6 through 8 in the NLT says, But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. I like this version. Do not waver for a person... A person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord because their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. When you are going through a trial, a problem, a heartache, pain, if you try to get a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of Oprah, a little Dr. Phil on the side, a little YouTube, a little seance, a little chant here, a little mm-mm, there, are you hearing what I'm saying? That you cannot mix your faith with the things of this earth and expect anything from God. God says, you need to put your faith in me and get all that other stuff off the shelf because that stuff's not going to help you the way I'm going to help you. Now, I know this isn't like, you know, the most sugar-coated happy message, but let me tell you, I'm not trying to preach a sugar-coated happy message because you're not going through sugar-coated happy moments. Are you in the room today? That if we want to have victory, we have to know something that, God, we're not praying you take our problems away, but we praying that you make us the overcomers that you have called us to be. So, Father, I'm not mad at the trial. Help me to be an overcomer. Father, I'm not mad at the jail cell. You just bring the earthquake and shake it open, Father. I'm not mad when they beat me and curse me and hit me. Father, I count it all joy because I have a deeper understanding that you are working all things together for your purposes, and I'm surrendered to you. So, God, do the miracles. Father, you do the miracles. I'm the servant. You do the miracles. I'm the servant. You do the miracles. I'm the servant, God. My life, and therefore my problems are your problems, God. Lord, I need money. Father... Lord, I need help today. Father, Lord, I need a breakthrough right now, and you know it, but I don't have the answers. Father, you start turning your faith on, and it's like James says, you want some wisdom, you better get all in. 
God's not looking. We have a half-hearted society with just about everything anymore. You got young people in their 30s and 40s scared to death to get married, but they'll live together for 12 years. But I don't want to get married. That's too much. That's scary. You got four kids together. I know, but that's not marriage. And I'm not judging, but hear my heart. We got a society that is so scared to make commitments to anything, and God's saying, I need your commitment. I need you all in. I need you to show up at church every week. No, I'm good. Once a month's fine, Jesus. God's like, are you in? Because if you're not giving me that time, you're giving something. And are you like a wave tossed in the sea? How's your Monday, by the way? How's your Tuesday? Are you getting tossed around a little bit? What are you using to anchor yourself in? This is the truth of God's word. But we have to understand that, man, this is tough. But the commitment will begin to produce the life that we are looking for. Now, and I do thank God for online because there's just times we can't make it. So God bless you. Who's ever watching? And it's just the truth. We can't. We can't make it every time. But it's bigger than always just physically being somewhere. This is about your heart, okay? And this is about your heart connected to the Father, saying, God, I'm in. 2 Corinthians, Paul prayed in verse 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord, take away this thorn from me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults. What? This fool is crazy. I delight in hardships. I delight in persecutions, and I delight in difficulties. Paul is crazy. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Your faith makes you a little crazy to the world. No sane person would delight in these things in the flesh. But when you have an eternal mindset and you're connected to the power source of heaven, you begin to understand the deeper revelation that Paul was writing about. When he wrote the words, he said, Perfect in weakness. Perfect in weakness. How many feel a little weak right now? Come on, let's be honest. Got a little weakness. Perfect in weakness. Don't look at your weakness as some negative thing from God, some negative sign, something you've done wrong. You're on the wrong path all the time. The enemy's going to batter your mind and make you just feel terrible about yourself. But God is telling you through this passage right here, he said, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in weakness. When I am weak, then I am strong. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Do you know you can just lift your hand in your weakness? And the Lord will strengthen you. He will encourage you. He will bring you the miracles you need. He will open the doors that is needed for your life. Are you in here? Say amen. Write this last point down, that God restores what was once lost. Paul and Silas, the next day in verse 35 of Acts 16, the next morning the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer, let those men go. So the jailer told Paul, the city officials have said, you and Silas are free to go. Go in peace. Paul replied, hey, they have publicly beaten us without a trial and put us in prison, and we are Roman citizens, so now they want us to leave secretly? 
I don't think so. Well, he said, certainly not. Let them come themselves to release us. And when the police reported this, the city officials were alarmed to learn Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to the jail and they apologized to them. Then they brought them out and begged them to leave the city. And when Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia. And there they met with the believers and encouraged them once more before they left town. The accuser is shamed. Let me tell you something. You have some accusers that through the miracle power of God is about to be shamed for what they've done to you. These people that came against you, these circumstances that have come against you, the same people that came against Paul and Silas had to come back and ask for forgiveness. They had to apologize. Why? God was doing something so powerful to get this jailer's family saved, to make an impact in the city. Paul and Silas said, hey, we didn't do anything wrong. We can stand on our integrity. And sometimes the only thing you can stand on is your integrity. But if that's what you got, you stand on it, baby, because God's going to use that as a sign and as a working and as a wonder in this earth. And people will begin to say, how can you have that kind of faith? How can you, despite everything you're going through, still have joy? And you say, morning is coming. Morning is coming. Does anybody feel like morning's coming in your life today? We have to declare these things by faith. Psalm 1 says, let them curse you, but you bless them. When they arise, let them be ashamed, but let your servant rejoice. And let my accusers be clothed with shame, and let them cover themselves with their own disgrace as with a mantle. Your enemy is already defeated, but he's still the accuser of the brethren. But he's already defeated. So when you get accused, just understand God's going to do a miracle through it. How hard is your back right now? Get ready for a great miracle. That's where we have to keep our faith and get ready to watch it. Let me ask this question. Can anybody in this room, if I would ask you to testify about a miracle, I'm not going to do it today, so don't get scared. Um, but if I asked you to testify about a, a time in your life where God did a miracle, who could raise your hand and say you got something to share? Look around the room. Hold your hand up for a second. Look at this room. That's a room of miracles. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he did it for you. Then he's going to do it again. Are you in this place today? we got to keep our faith high and understand what God did back then. He's going to do right now in the midst of your situation. He's going to give you life. He's going to restore you, and he's going to give you peace for the things that have tried to take away from you. 1 John 5, 4 says, Every child defeats this evil world. We achieve the victory through faith. Who can win the battle against the world? Only those who believe Jesus is the Son. John 16, 33, I have told you all of this so you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart. I looked that up. I said, what does that mean, take heart? And when you look it up, it means to have confidence. It means to have firmness of purpose in the face of danger, testing. It means to be courageous. Courage is defined as not to move, to be deaf to threats, and to have heart like iron. God is saying to you today, get deaf to those threats. Get, get a heart of iron and understand that when you have trials and sorrows, you can take heart and confidence in me knowing that I got you, that I'm going to take you through, that I'm never going to leave you in the wilderness to die, but if I started you on a journey, I'm going to finish the journey. Hallelujah. Nikita, if you'd mind coming up, I'm done. But I want to say this, and close your eyes this morning because I just want to prophesy this over you. 
that your problems are not a sign of defeat, but of a miracle that's on the way. Let me say it again. Your problems are not a sign of defeat, but of a miracle on the way. The bigger your problem, get ready, the bigger the miracle. You may say why. God says trust. You may say this is too hard. God says my grace is sufficient. You may say I don't understand. But God says my ways are higher. You may say I am tired and exhausted. But God says I will give you rest. You may say I'm so weak. But God says weeping may endure for a night. But joy comes in the morning. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. Let's lift our hands right where you're at. Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray for the morning to start breaking for people in this room. Father, I thank you that, Lord, we're going to face trials. We're going to face sorrow. So many people, I felt this so strong in my heart because it wasn't like one person I talked to this week. It was many, many people going through many trials. And I want to encourage somebody today through the word. That, Lord, you are in control. Abba, Father, we submit to you and we thank you that, Lord, joy is coming in the morning. Strength is coming in the morning. There's a midnight hour. And, Lord, I'm prophesying it and believing for it for so many right now under the sound of my voice that the midnight hour is breaking. Even as Paul and Silas, it hit midnight, but they were already praying before it hit midnight. They were already praising before it hit midnight. Father, I thank you that a praise will keep going for a praise keep going up. And Father, that midnight moment's going to take place and joy's coming in the morning. Joy's coming in the morning. There's a miracle on the way. There's a miracle in the works. Even when we don't see it, Father, we f even when we don't feel it, Lord, we trust you that you are the way maker, the miracle worker. And so God, today we stand not on our own accord, Lord, not on our circumstances, but we stand on the word and the promises of the living God. And Father, therefore, we delight in these moments. That's what your servants did in the Bible. They said, we praise you for these moments. We praise you because we have such faith and trust that you're going to bring us through, that God, you're doing a testimony right now, that God, we're going to use this moment to somebody out. God, we're going to use this moment to break something off somebody else. Father, when we didn't have anything and now you give it to us, we're going to prophesy that to somebody else. Father, I thank you. This is how you operate. That Lord, you allow the struggles, but Father, you are the miracle worker. And so, Father, today we praise you because you're good and your mercy endures forever. You are Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end. You are El Shaddai, Jehovah Jireh. Father, I thank you that, Lord, you are in this place and in this room today. We give you glory. We give you honor. Come on, give him glory right now out of your mouth. Give him some honor right now out of your mouth. Just thank him. Worship him. Praise him. Father, we glorify you in the room today. Joy's coming in the morning. Joy's coming in the morning. Look for your midnight moment. Joy's coming in the morning. Joy's coming in the morning. Come on. Some of you are in the midnight hour. You don't even see it yet. God says, get ready. The sun's about to rise. Get ready. My provision's about to show up. Get ready. My breakthrough's about to come in that relationship. Get ready. You're about to have total victory over that addiction. Get ready. You're about to have total victory over those things that are holding you back. Joy comes in the morning. Jesus, we praise you for it. Jesus, we worship you for it. We thank you for it. Thank you guys for listening to this week's podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow to stay up to date in everything we're doing at Expect Hope. We hope this podcast encouraged you and that it will help you through any trials you may be going through.
Thanks again for listening and have a blessed rest of your week.